Welcome to Choosing Leadership and this is another episode of the Investor's Lens series with your host Somit Gupta. This series will look at leadership from the point of view of an investor or a VC. In each episode of this series, we will explore what traits, behaviors or red flags investors see in their founders that they work with and how founders evolve over time as they grow and become better leaders. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to create organizations where people get to do the work of their lives. Together, let us do our bit to create a world where all of us can show up as leaders. With that, let us get started. Paulina Yanch is the founding partner at Linux Impact Capital and one of the top 100 most influential women in the European VC and startup space. In the interview, she shared her unique journey to get where she is today. She shares how she has always been in female empowerment and is a cheerleader for having more women as founders and the important role of mentors and coaches when it comes to the growth of founders. Hi, Paulina. Welcome to the Choosing Leadership Podcast. Hi, everyone. It's, it's our pleasure to have you here with us today. And to begin with, can you start by sharing a little bit of who you are and how you got to doing what you're doing? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. My name is Paulina Jensch. I'm the founding partner at Linux Impact Capital. And what we do and how we started is it was a very organic process. So basically, I did my second master in finance in Barcelona in Spain. Before that, I've worked in finance and project finance at a real estate company and at one of the big four and have gained some insights into specifically the project management part of a business of running projects. And I think that's also one of my key skills is that I bring people together and I have an oversight of processes and I'm an organizer, let's say. But that's just about what I did before my second master here in Barcelona, through which I took part in a challenge or in a project from the CFA Institute where as a team, we evaluated the merger between two banks, Caixa and Bankia, two big banks here in Spain. And together with Turam, now my co-founder, who I got to know through this project and who worked together for some months very intensely, we realized that the skills that we got to evaluate companies based on numbers, on facts and figures, but not only projections, but to fully understand the whole business case, let's say that this is something that would be extremely helpful for the friends of ours that were starting businesses that had that were running SMEs or starting their own startups. So we started out Linux because we both, he was a founder before and I had run a company. So we both wanted to, to yeah, become founders or be founders again, let's say. And we started out as a startup consultancy from a very financial point of view. So we did the financial planning, the fundraising strategy, the valuation for startups. And of course, we got to know some really cool and interesting startups that had great business idea, ideas. And through talking about this with our network, some deals were initiated and some business angels invested in those companies. So we got to the second stage after consulting was then the connecting from startups to business angels or investors. And through those two steps, we gained the initial capital to then invest. And up until today, we have invested in 10 startups, 10 companies in Europe and also two in the States. And our investing criteria, let's say, is early stage startups that have impact at its core. We can maybe go touch that later, but impact for us was super, super important. And then we 
created a, let's say, a private Shark Tank event here in Barcelona. And we wanted to have, obviously, because that's just, that's just natural to us, or it should be, we wanted to have the same amount of female founders as male founders. But that was super hard to yeah, establish, or we weren't sure whether, are there not enough female founders? Do we not have the access yet? Or are we just not known enough yet in the scene to, to have female founders come to us as Linux? So yeah, then this situation, let's say, created our second super important investing thesis, which is 50-50 female. So the two things you need to remember about Linux is that we're in impact investing and we're supporting and encouraging gender parity by investing 50-50. So 50% female founders and raising capital from 50% female investors. And that brings us to today, let's say. So wrapping up what has brought us here, it was startup consulting as a first step, then connecting startups and investors that led us to our first own investments. And now we are raising a new fund through the same investment thesis that has proved, has proved us right in the past. Thank you. Thank you for that wonderful story and journey that you have been on. You might said it happened organically, but I think it's also a journey which not many people like go into from finance. I think you can have very well-established roots from finance. But you went into startups, you went into impact and you went into 50-50, as you said, that vision for women founders, for women leaders. So can I ask you, where is this vision or drive to make a difference coming from rather than maybe choosing many of the easier ways that you have to make a career out of your skills? Specifically for the 50-50 female, I was always involved in female empowerment. I've worked in some, or I've been engaged in some social work with human trafficked women that I guess that has always been part of me. But in the beginning, when we started Linux and we were working with founders, I didn't even realize that we're only working with male founders. There were some female founders as well, but they were not doing the pitches. They were not selling their companies to the, to the potential investors. And they were also not doing the fundraising. And this is something that we realized going through tens and 20 and 30 startups up to the point where we created this Shark Tank event where it was so hard to get female founders. And yeah, okay, there can be a female founder in the team, but they were not the one pitching and doing the talks, so to say. So that was really the moment that that we said, okay, we have to change something. And there are many venture capitals that focus, for example, only on female founders. And for us, our vision is really to just enter a room and there's 50% male and 50% female. And that's just our vision of how it should be, so to say, to move away from female-led teams getting 2% of the venture capital, mixed teams get 15% and the rest goes to mostly all-white male. So just to clarify that we're not only investing in women, we can invest in male-led teams, we can invest in only female-led teams and in mixed teams. But our vision is to have headcount across our portfolio 50-50 and uh, yeah, I think that's what we're really striving to do. And also not only from the founder perspective, that's why it's called 50-50, but also from the investor perspective, because there have been so many great role models, investors, business leaders that are women that are super inspiring, but they seem so far away. There are those few that you know, but they are so far away and you could never meet mm -hmm. them for a chat. Let's. But if we get them on the cap table and if we say, look, we have these women that have experienced and that have run business and that, that, that have led businesses, 
then it's another incentive also for the founders and to have them share conversations is so valuable. And yeah, the, the other part of 50-50. And then of course, also from a management team, we're also 50-50. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your vision. And I love that, that you're creating that space for, if you walk into a room, it's 50-50. Yet at the same time, it's currently not. I think it's very evident. It's very clearly visible that it is not. And that also presents challenges many times, which as men, we cannot see. Because you, when you're one in a room, one of a kind in a room, then you can feel something very different, even in your body, even in your physical, which, which you cannot see, like unless you are that minority. From a leadership point of view, what challenges does that present for you, but also for the uh, women and maybe even for the men in the teams that you are investing in? That's a great question. I love that question. So... Maybe to start at the end of my answer right now, sorry, we've recently come into contact with a startup that creates virtual reality for people to experience those biases and those discriminations from a point where you watch a scene as an outsider or as a not discriminated person, you watch a scene and then you get some choices to make and you can say, okay, I'll step in now or I'll wait how the conversation goes. And those daily discriminations, let's say, they don't seem too bad or they don't seem too crazy that someone might step in. But it's interesting to see that whenever the people are in the virtual reality and they are the person that is discriminated, you really feel it. And yes, for other people, it might have only been one sentence. But if you are that person, it is not just one sentence. It's so much more. And I think that one super crucial part of breaking this up is to educate about these topics, to educate people about okay, where does this start and where does this stop? It's not black and white, it's a continuum. And we all have to learn every day and we have to ask the people, how do you feel? How, how is that making you feel? Or what are your experiences? So I think also I've realized that in the classes um, in, at business school when it was, okay, and now we're talking about the glass ceiling or female empowerment. And all the guys were like going in a shell as if they were a turtle going into the shell because they were like, I'm not saying a thing. I'm just going to, listen and try to hide and not be part of this because they were shamed in a sense of associated with the with the problem so often and i think it's important that we get out of the shed and that we talk about about discrimination in all of the different ways that there are and that we really are able and allow ourselves to ask questions and to exchange, to educate ourselves, to point out as well, to say, hey, this is nothing personal. Just I realized this in this situation. And if I would have been that, I might have felt a certain way. I just wanted to let you know. So I don't have all the answers right now, but to try to find some ways. And I guess from having pointed out those situations for most of my life, that doesn't mean that these situations will never happen to me or that I'm completely free from bias. I think that's a really important thing also to realize is it's not that if you have a bias, you're a bad person. These biases are culturally inherited and they are learned and we have to actively unlearn them. And that takes time and education and the willingness to do that, which is a long way. But the first step, I guess, is to acknowledge that they are there, that we all have them and that we can unlearn them. Thank you. And thank you for sharing that. I think that's so delightful to hear because as men, you can sense that sense of discomfort because you associate yourself with a sense of guilt or shame. But at the same time, what you mentioned is that a lot of these elements are inherited, are not like of our choosing. And then by making it, like when we make somebody feel guilty or when we don't make it okay, 
for somebody to to participate, then we are actually perpetuating the problem rather than addressing it head on. So thank you for adding that part. At the same time, in the VC world, in the investment world, in the financial world, behind closed door, those barriers or those biases are also very still very much present. Even though in the media, we have created a narrative that it is difficult for people to come up. But I know that behind closed door, they still exist. So when you touch base with VCs or when you touch base with the founders, are there any mindsets or traits that you see as red flags that you try to avoid or that you try to challenge? That's a very good question. I would say that we are in the management team of Linux, not what you would expect from emerging venture capital GPs, let's say. We're 50-50, we're, we have maybe 10 years less of experience than someone would have on average. And we're also very diverse in our whole team, which is one of our superpowers. But I think people are open to it and they realize that there is a lot of strength and right now is also the time. So if we would have set this entire thing up 10 years ago, then maybe there wouldn't have been the time. But luckily, those diverse teams, diverse founders outperformed so much and they have just the numbers speak for themselves. What we show is, look, these are the numbers. This is what female teams, female-led companies have done. This is what teams have outperformed if they have different different cultural heritage or different cultural backgrounds. This is what a team can do if they have different age, age years. So we can very much rely on how much these people from minority groups, let's say, how much they have outperformed. We can use that, let's say, or we can rely on that and say, look, this is what has happened. And I think that the shift in the mindset is changing right now and people are acknowledging that there has been a lot of really amazing role models that have led the way. And that's what makes it easier for us right now. I think the most surprising thing is always that women my age always ask me, let's say, the toughest questions and would be the ones that challenge what we do the most or ask like, okay, but how exactly did you get along? How exactly are you doing this and doing that? And that's completely fine. And that's that's also expected, I think, especially with woman, there was a time when there was only one woman at sea level. So they had to fight really hard and that established this whole thought of, okay, women in the business world, they have to be really like elbows out and really fighting. But now more and more women are like breaking through the glass ceiling, let's say. It's not solved yet at all, but it's more. So I feel like my generation, we're a bit confused. We're like, so wait, should we fight or should we not fight? Or should we, is it empowerment now or what should we do? So it's a bit of a thing where they're just, I think we're confused. And I really always want to highlight supporting each other, looking out for a mentor, asking someone, hey, can you be my mentor? Can we meet every two months? Can we discuss this and this? And I think that's really helpful tool to fight against those questions, let's say, because then I can say, yeah, we're absolutely right in what we do. We have those people supporting us. We have those startups. We have this track record and we have those success stories and not even letting those or acknowledging that there are questions, but then just, yeah, addressing them. How with, with reality, let's say. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And just to elaborate on that, how do you invest in the leadership development, in the growth, right? Because you need a level of confidence. You also need a level of emotional intelligence to know your values, to stay grounded, but at the same time, like fight when required or to raise your voice when required. 
So how do you invest in your, but also supporting your founders in their own leadership development and growth? That's a, another great question. I think, how do we support our founders and our portfolio? We have regular calls with them, of course, like every, like every venture capital should have at least. There's quarterly reporting and so on. And I think what we're doing to support them specifically is to use our two main skills, let's say. And that is on the one hand, of course, financially, because one of our management team, Roshan, she was actually our former professor in investment banking and private equity, has joined Linux as a mentor from minute one, but then later also as portfolio director. And she has a lot of experience in private equity and investment banking. So she really knows the, she's our hardcore finance person, let's say. So what she does is to meet with the startups and to look at it really from a financial perspective. How much cash do we still have? What's the runway? How's the fundraising looking? What can we do to support you from a business model kind of point of view? And the other part is impact. And that's what I specialize on or what I really also want to push forward. All of our startups are inherently impactful, as we call it. So we have this investing thesis, which is if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And that's also for impact. So the startups we invest in, they have to be created with impact, with impact at its heart and to solve a big social or environmental issue that needs to be the part of the company, of the startup. And then we sit with them and we talk about their impact. And impact, of course, is so broad and it's such a big topic right now. It's used everywhere. But basically what we do is we do a, we run a non-financial analysis of the business model where we look at what's your goals, what are the activities you need to achieve them, what are your inputs, what are the outcomes, how can we measure them, what are the KPIs. And we run them through our Enox Impact Framework, the LIFT. I'm happy to share that as well. And we run them through them and we really analyze the entire business as a very much interconnected um, part that depends on so many different aspects and inputs and factors. And through this, you really get into the con into contact with the founders. You get into talking and you really see beyond the numbers and you get so much information with, and with that information, we can then make our numbers meaningful. We can then say, okay, but I understand that this is your revenue stream right now, but I've heard this and this. So maybe we, and then we go back to the numbers and we adjust them, so to say. So I think that we do support on impact and finance specifically. And through impact, we also have conversations about leadership and about employees and about those things. But it, it, it has also to be clear that as a venture capital and as an investor, you cannot be all things. Yes, we can help and we can specify on our two, let's say, key skills or superpowers, but they should still have mentors. They should still have educate themselves and so on. And yeah, so we, we try to trigger those conversations, but they have to be held further than what we can. Thank you for sharing that. I think that leaning in to provide that support and help, but also knowing the boundary or also knowing when to step away is a wonderful, but also delicate balance, right? So. And again, startups are in fact, like by itself, a stressful job, right? Running a startup. And many times what I have found, because I also work with a lot of leaders from the startup world and from the impact world, is it is not just the failures which can be challenging. It can be the successes as well, which can trip you up. So how do you navigate the different phases of the startups that you invest in, especially with your relationship with the key people in, the, in their leadership? How do you navigate those difficult conversations 
and maybe give maybe you can share an example of both how success and failure plays a role into your relationship with the founders yeah that's a good question so i think throughout working in a culturally super diverse team i realized that me coming from a german background i have a very certain feedback style let's say which is absolutely bold and direct and just pointing out look here this there's a car missing look here this and this and i realized that i maybe with some other cultures i have to adapt and i have to realize that this being so direct for me that's completely fine and that it says nothing about the personal relationship or what i think of the person but with other people but other cultures that can maybe be a bit too direct. So I have definitely, that was one of my learnings is, okay, first of all, think about the, like say feedback style that this other person might have. And also to explain, look, I'm giving feedback in a certain way and we've created a feedback. Well, it's not really a system. It's just the way we give feedback is that we always ask what's going great, what's going good, and even better if. And this we do with our employees, for example. So they start tell, talking about their own work at Linux, what's going great. So this is really highlighting here, guys, I have aced this, look at how good I am. And it's super important, I think, to allow yourself sometimes, but you're, especially also your employees, to really say, guys, this and this, I have aced. And then going great is just going good. It's just all the things that are going good, that are really yeah, going well, under control, this and this, lines pass, and in general, this is going good. And then even better if is is all of the things, okay, I realized here I didn't meet my deadline because there was this, but also maybe from management, I could expect this. And I hope that at Linux, through this feedback sessions and this approach, we have opened up the feedback culture and have hopefully influenced it positively in a way that we can always have in the situation feedback but then also the safe space for more general feedback um, at the end of the month. And this is something that we do in-house, let's say, or internally, but, but also externally with our founders. And both for successes and for mistakes, for me, again, my natural response, let's say, would be to send a quick email saying, hey, I saw you guys were on The Guardian. I'm so proud. You guys really rock. Let's keep it up, for example. And for failures as well, saying, hey, I've seen the numbers. They're not really looking great. Can we maybe talk about why that is or, or engaging in this? I think that would be my natural response. But I also have learned that that it has to be, it cannot always be a quick email, but to think about really feedback and to, and to do it in a more structured approach, let's say. And this quick feedback is also only possible if you have a really close relationship with the people and if the people know you personally and know how where the feedback is coming from and always, of course, to state it in a super constructive and polite way. And yeah, so now how we do it is also through our portfolio management to give the possibility if either one, Tula, my co-founder or me have points that we want to highlight, then we can jump into those portfolio management meetings and just communicate face-to-face with the startups. So I think that's something that has worked well to always have the personal approach Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think feedback is where the rubber meets the road, right? When you start to work with somebody and build a relationship. And I think another thing which which often get missed out is the power of listening. And what you were talking earlier about, like building that relationship and making sure that you have the right relationship for the feedback is so important. Rather than simply jumping into what to say or how to say, the importance of listening is often missed, often invisible. 
but it cannot be overemphasized. So for, thank you for sharing that. I think listening was also like a key part where you were coming on, but I wanted to bring it up because it is so often ignored when talking yeah. about feedback or conversations. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of the day, what gives you the most joy and satisfaction? Maybe with your current role, right? Maybe can you share a bit of how your day-to-day looks like? And then at the end of the day, right? What is it yeah. that leads you to that? Like I can sleep well today. Yeah. That is a good question. <laughs> There's so many things I don't know. So what I think just the whole concept that we get the chance to work with people who see a challenge in the world and have the bravery and the courage to tackle that problem and to change, to create change and to put out solutions and say, hey world, I think we can do this better. And I think it's this inherent approach of improving pushing things forward, organizing, making things happen, realizing projects. That's just something where I think I found the counterpart to what I'm good at in a way. And it's something that gives me great joy to work with those with those amazing founders. On the other hand, it's also really cool to create this company from scratch. I have observed how venture capitals are run and it's a bit like, cherry picking, we can really take out the best things that some of the leading venture capitals are doing great. And we can put our own spark to it and we can say, okay, but actually we want the culture to be like this, or we want to do it like this. And because venture capital is not as public, let's say, as other companies that are listed, where they have like any reports and this and this, everyone is doing something, but in the end, there's also a lot of flexibility. So there's not one standard way of how to do quarterly reporting. Is there a market outlook? Yes or no. Is there this? Yes or no. So venture capital is, I think, not many people know this, but it's ex- extremely interconnected. So we're very close with the, with most of the leading venture capitals in Europe. We exchange our deal flow. We, When I'm in a city where there's an office, I go and we, we exchange on, okay, what's happening? How do you see this? What effect will AI have? And the entire conversations are super interesting and there's so much empowerment also within the scene that I've never seen in any other space. It's very collaborative rather than competitive. And I think that is something that makes me very happy. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think you mentioned bravery and courage. I think it is so important to realize because many times as leaders, we focus on what is missing or how far that we have to go. And But we don't normally see how far we have come. So uh, what you spoke about is appreciating that courage and appreciate being grateful about how far we have come and the successes that we have achieved, even though there is a long way to go. And that creates that, uh, at least on an emotional level, that creates that sense of gratitude or fulfillment and takes away the stress or heaviness, which often comes with uh, like leading a change, leading a movement, uh, which many ways mm-hmm. is like what every entrepreneur in the impact space and also in the female empowerment space is doing. So thank you for adding that part, appreciating the courage and the bravery, even your own courage, right? Because sometimes appreciating your own courage can be the most toughest part. Mm-hmm. So, so I want to bring that out. Before we end this end of our conversation, is there anything that you would like to add? Maybe to your last point, actually. So yeah. what, we, what we do at Linux, which I was inspired by another female leader, is that we have a champagne moment, which means that you always have, well, champagne it can be beer it can be alcoholic it can be something it can be something not a drink at all but that you have something that's always in the office 
for us, it's a bottle of cava, so a bottle of, of, of champagne that we have in the fridge. And whenever someone is super happy with their achievements, then they can say, okay, guys, cava moment. And then we, and then we have a toast to the person. And what's interesting here is that each person always has the possibility to toast to themselves, basically, which is counterintuitive, right? Usually it's like, okay, this person is the employee of the month, but it's directed from someone else. But if you open this or if you have a moment like this or the possibility for people to say, look, today I really, I aced this or I shined bright or something like this, then it just creates this culture of being courageous and of being also proud of your achievement. And I think in the startup world where we're faced with so many uncertainties, failure is an inherent part. The most startups fail. It's just, it's part of our business. It's part of the world. And with failure going into that topic could be a whole new podcast. But I just, yeah, would like to encourage everyone to use it, to never say, say failure, but actually say learnings, for example, and to move on with the learnings that you have and then really to celebrate the moments where it's, where it's going well. Yeah. Thank you for adding that part. And before we end, if anybody who is listening wants to reach out or find out more about your work, what is the best way for them to do so? Yes, that will be LinkedIn probably. So my name is Paulina Yen. She can find us, me on LinkedIn, also Linux. And otherwise, for everything, you can always email to hello at linux.eu. And Linux is spelled like the Lean Approach and then O and X. Thank you. Thank you, Paulina, for everything that you shared and also for being who you are and doing what you do. I think this is so much needed in the world today. And I want to wish you all the best for everything that you give or that you contribute just by these messages or these conversations that, that we're having today. And I'm sure we're having similar conversations with many other people, including the founders that you invest in. Thank you so much, Sumit, for having me. It was a great pleasure. Same here. It was a pleasure. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. If you like the sound of it, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs ups, ratings and reviews mean a lot to me and my team. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality and thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit and until next time, keep choosing leadership.